Greetings and salutations and welcome to the Trash Fire of Talk podcast with your host, Skitsam Jones. I am your host, Skitsam Jones, and let's kick things off with a look at upcoming events. First up, this Friday, March 6th, I will be at Tonk House for the Tonk Tapes compilation album recording. It's hosted by Anthony LaPerry with a lineup including Jay Garcia, Chris Carricker, King Kelly, Brendan Weaver, Too Skinny, Desmo Rooney, and myself. We will all be recording some of our favorite little bits to put them all together for the Tonk Tapes compilation album. So that's going to be super cool. Then next Thursday, March 12th, it's the second show from the Comfortably Chaotic Comedy Cabaret. That's right. This is my baby. This show last month, absolutely fantastic. This month, so great. The lineup includes Burlesque by Miss Sultry Sovereign and Donna Matrix representing Shush Burlesque. We've got Drag by Cindy Vicious of Dragzilla. Live Music by Anna P. Stand-Up Comedy by Alec Jones and Jessica Mance. And of course, my co-host and musical accompaniment for the evening, Chris Bongat. Last show was absolutely fantastic, more than I ever could have asked for. I hope this show is just as big, if not bigger. I want to build something fantastic with this show, and I hope to see you all there. March 14th, I'm returning to the Rusty Fox. And this time I'm in a lineup in, uh, that includes Timmy Blaze, Amy Blaze, KB Marion, Michael Palmondary, Alex Savant, Kevin Haas, and it's hosted by birthday celebrators Jamie Martin and Scott Galvin. March 12th, I will be debuting at the Hidden Pearl in McHenry on a lineup with Dave Sitko, Chris Bongat, Amy Blaze, Timmy Blaze, KB Marion, and Joe Antonacci. Uh, March 28th, I will be at Shots and Giggles co-hosting with Cameron Little. This lineup includes Carly Mallison, Jessica Mizra, Aaron Klopfer, Claire Austin-Smith, Dana Ehrman, AJ Grill, and Matt Drufke. Then on April 1st, that's right, April Fool's Day, we're going to get foolish and weird. Uncouth is back at Reggie's, and we're going to be playing alongside Hagathorn, High Reaper, and the mighty Lord Dying. That show is going to be fantastic. Uncouth is going to be debuting some new material. You are not going to want to miss this one. Then on April 4th, the Level 1 Improv class that I am currently partaking in will be having our performance. That's right, April 4th at 4 p.m., so 4, 4 at 4, the Level 1 Improv class. And on April 16th, the Comfortably Chaotic Comedy Cabaret will be back again. Lineup to be announced uh, probably after this next cabaret. So... There you go. Whole bunch of really cool events coming up, and I hope to see you at each and every one of them. Now, let's get on to our main topic of the day. I turned 37 yesterday. That's right, 37. Ten years past the expiration date if I wanted to be in the 27 club. Uh, that said, never reached the levels of fame where that would have been applicable for me. Also, very tragic to die that young. So I don't even know why I brought that up, but I did. And here we are. Yes, I turned 37. And how have I been celebrating? Um, mostly by rocking an eye patch. Yeah, that's right. 
this past weekend, um, I had some fucking shit blow up in my fucking eye. And, uh, I woke up Monday morning at like three in the morning with my eye absolutely swollen shut and all sorts of shit going on with it. Went to the VA, got some pills, got some ointments, got some shit going on to try and hopefully clear it up without surgery. Because otherwise I'm going to be going in one week from today to get my fucking eyelid sliced open. So that'd be all sorts of fun. But in the meantime, I've been rocking this super sweet eye patch when I perform. And, well, when I do anything where my eye would be visible to others. Because um, it's all fucking crusty, goopy, and weird. And uh, what's fun about that is everyone who has seen me in said eye patch, first impression, what a fashion choice. Second impression, oh, I wonder if, I wonder if they need that. And I do. Currently, I do need that. It's not just a fashion choice. Though, I'm like really excited that I am at a point in my life where I could just rock an eye patch and people are like, fuck yeah, you go skits, do that thing. I have accessorized fairly well with it when I'm wearing it. But yeah, it's wild that I'm now just a person who can rock an eye patch and no one bats an eye about it. That's that's kind of a thing. I I... I'm kind of excited that I now, I, I feel like fashion-wise, uh, especially in performance spaces, I've kind of just developed uh, like a carte blanche um, to do whatever and no one will bat an eye about. I'm sure there's a limit, but I haven't found it yet because I thought rocking an eye patch is, is kind of a look. And uh, yeah, for the most part, everyone's just been like, yeah, cool, looks good on you. So, there you go. For 37, I get to rock the Snake Plissken look and be totally good with it. Um, that's fucking wild. So, yeah. There we go. Um, that's, uh, that's going on. It's weird having a birthday. Um, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm over that threshold of mid-30s and I'm now in the late 30s. I'm now officially on the back end of my 30s. 40 is closer than anything else. And that's wild, because I don't feel like I'm living an adult kind of life. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I feel like I've strayed so far off the path of what was kind of expected uh, as I'm growing into a, you know, human being adult type person and I'm, I'm definitely not doing what would have been expected of me from a familial standpoint or a societal standpoint. And it's weird veering that far off the course, uh, as I'm getting older and having the confidence to do so, wishing that I'd had the confidence to do so when I was younger. I, I missed out by not just embracing who and what the fuck I want to be uh, at an earlier age. But I'm glad I got there. And it's it's been a wild ride, and, uh, you know, hopefully many more to come. Um, I think that's about all that I feel like talking about about that. So let's move on to our segments for the show. Ooh, which segment should I start with? There's... 
There's a fun one and a less fun one. Fuck it. Let's do dumb news. Fuck it, whatever. Dumb news. Super Tuesday was yesterday and... Ugh. Biden? Really? Uncle Gropy? Touchy Joe? The one who, like, has been threatening for the past four years to get into fist fights with Trump back behind the schoolyard. Like, this fucking guy. <sighs> so after Super Tuesday, Biden has officially taken the lead in the delegate count thus far. 963 total delegates accounted for as of the recording of this episode, Wednesday morning, 9.55 a.m. Uh, there are... 1,991 delegates required to win. There are 1,028 still up for grabs. That includes the ones that are currently being accounted for uh, following yesterday's uh, series of primaries. So Biden has 453. Sanders has 382. Warren has 50. Bloomberg has 44. And Gabbard is hanging on with one, um, as I said, uh, 963 total are accounted for. There's a few others out there. Uh, if I didn't mention the five candidates that I just mentioned are the ones who are still in the race. Uh, there are candidates who have dropped out, which I'll talk about in a moment, who have, uh, delegates as well. Um, but as of now, the five Democratic candidates still in the race, Biden, Sanders, Warren, Bloomberg, and Gabbard. Um, none of them can get the 1,991 required to win uh, by the, the Democratic National Convention. Um, uh, the next primary is March 10th. The next debate is March 15th. And the next primary after the debates uh, is March 17th, and that includes Illinois. So, Illinois, pay attention. At this point, it's looking like a two-person race, uh, with the old status quo represented by Biden versus the developing progressive wing of the left represented by Sanders. Um, the DNC has already shown that they don't want to let Sanders win. Uh, they'll continue doing multiple things to make that happen, from the sudden consolidation of the moderate Dems right before Super Tuesday, uh, to the, well, so right before this last primary, Buttigieg and Klobuchar both dropped out of the race and endorsed Biden. Uh, also, Beto O'Rourke, who's not a, a currently in the race, but had been. Uh, endorsed Biden as well. Uh, and there is a, a massive push to have all of the moderate Dems rally behind Biden to prevent a progressive like Sanders or Warren from winning. So, uh, yes, the sudden consolidation of the moderate Dems right before Super Tuesday, uh, the continued pressing of narratives that pits Sanders and Warren against each other, uh, thereby splitting the progressive wing of the party 
and preventing them from uniting in a similar fashion to what is happening behind Joe Biden right now. Um, to straight up parading out former candidate and former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton, who won the 2016 primary uh, uh, ahead of second place Sanders, amid many cries of foul play from inside the party. Uh, there's also a lot of talk of former President uh, Barack Obama rallying folks behind his former Vice President Joe Biden. Uh, and he is rumored to be the one who pushed now former candidates Buttigieg and Klobuchar to drop out and endorse Biden uh, the evening before Super Tuesday. So yeah, the establishment DNC is doing everything in their party to now rally behind Joe Biden now that he has shown to have uh, enough name recognition and favor within uh, various communities to win uh, at least the Democratic nomination. Um, in pretty much every exit polling, it's been shown that uh, Biden, when he wins, he wins only in the uh, baby boomer demographics. Um, the youth vote handedly, uh, going in favor of Sanders, uh, or Warren. Um, I don't know who the fuck keeps voting for Bloomberg, uh, but I think he just has spent so much money that it's like, oh yeah, that guy. Yeah. Please get him off my fucking TV and my YouTube and everywhere else that his advertisements will not stop. And... I have no idea what's going on with Tulsi. But yeah, so um, it's it's a mess. Warren uh, has committed to running all the way to the convention. Uh, as, again, at this point, no single candidate can win the 1,991 delegates required to win the nomination outright. Bloomberg has invested $560 million thus far in his ultimately failing bid to buy the presidency, uh, mostly for the purposes of stopping a progressive like Bernie Sanders from becoming the nominee because he doesn't want his billions threatened. Uh, that said, as a billionaire, he could still drop out, endorse Biden, and know that his billions will be protected because, of course, Biden will do nothing to alleviate the issues of income inequality that have become the major source of the party split between the progressives and the moderates. And again, no idea what the fuck Tulsi Gabbard is doing, uh, but she's there and likely will qualify for the next debate stage. So that'll be interesting. Um, speaking of, it will be nice having at most five candidates on the next debate stage. Uh, it's not going to be so nice watching the DNC continue to do everything in its fucking power to lose the presidential election so it can protect its billionaires. Um, one of Biden's last pressers, he said, the people don't want a revolution. They want results. Um, I don't know, that's a real dumb way to read the last five years or so of American politics because revolution seems to be what everyone kind of wants. That's why Trump won. That's why Bernie and well, right now, mostly Bernie have such a massive movement behind them. Um, and that's why so many guillotine memes are spreading online. 
I think revolution is coming whether these motherfuckers want it or not. Uh, but watching the Democratic Party do everything they can to just be like, no, 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 we want things the way they are, just minus the overt racism. We want everything to be subtle again. That's that's all they're running on. They're running on, hey, remember everything that led to Trump being elected? We want to go back to that. Because that's, that's a winning platform right there. So, the Democratic Party is fucking dumb. And therefore, they get the dumb news spot. There's your dumb news. Fucking whatever. Look, I... I know this isn't a presidential... Or this isn't a political podcast, generally. Not, not the vibe. But like, look. Even if... Biden gets the Democratic nomination. I'm going to fucking vote for him because, like, and anything is better than Trump, right? Like, there are people who die under Trump's watch who wouldn't die under Biden's watch. That said, there's so many people dying currently who would continue to die under Biden's watch, too, because income inequality and lack of proper health care. The coronavirus is spreading because we don't have time off and good health care. Like, this is dumb. Why are we doing this? All right. That said, like, still vote. Like, vote. All right? Just, just fucking vote. And whoever the candidate is, even if we fucking hate it, still vote against Trump. Please. Like, like for real. Okay, moving on. Let's have some more fun and check in with what's Nicolas Cage up to? So, Cage and his new girlfriend, Rico Shibata, were spotted visiting a museum in New York City together. Uh, this is the same woman who I mentioned uh, he visited his grave with recently, his, his massive pyramid tomb in New Orleans. Uh, she has been named, so that's a thing. Uh, it's unknown if during this visit to a museum, Nicolas Cage used the opportunity to steal any historical artifacts, launching him into an epic quest that reveals some unknown truth about U.S. history. But they seem to be having a good time. He was carrying around a big stuffed whale. (laughs) It's cute. Also, I finally saw the movie The Color Out of Space, Nicolas Cage's uh, latest film, uh, which is a Lovecraftian horror Uh, directed by Richard Stanley, who famously directed, sort of, uh, The Island of Dr. Moreau. It was a fantastic... Oh, it was also produced by the same people who produced Mandy. Uh, It was was fun. It was uh, a fantastic, solid follow-up to the bat-shittery of Mandy, and I'm enjoying the Nicolas Cage renaissance that we seem to be living through, and I recommend seeing it. It's a different sort of crazy than Mandy. Um, but still crazy in that delightfully Nicolas Cage kind of way. So yeah, Color Out of Space. Check it out. It's uh, out on uh, your streamings and your physical purchasability type stuff. I'm really bad at this today. I'm very tired. Uh, that's fine. I recommended a movie. Let's recommend some music. Oh, before I do that, I'm also going to recommend a TV series. Uh, 
I am five episodes deep into the 10-episode first season of Hulu's High Fidelity, starring Zoe Kravitz. And oh my god, I really enjoy it. A, Zoe Kravitz. B, did I mention Zoe Kravitz? C, it's fun having... So I had read the, the original book, High Fidelity, and of course I've seen the movie with Cusack, um, and... You know, Cusack, one of the love interests in the movie was Lisa Bonet, who is the mother of Zoe Kravitz, who is currently playing the lead character that had previously been portrayed by, um, God, I just said his fucking name. It doesn't matter. Anyway, uh... It's it's fun watching how they're kind of playing with what they did in the movie, what happens in the book, and what they're doing on the TV series, and how they're all kind of uh, versions of, of the same narrative, but done in a, a new and uh, especially more updated way. You know, this, of course, being the 2020s, and the movie having taken place in the 90s, which was, oh, you know, 20 years ago. Maybe, maybe less. I don't. I don't remember exactly which year High Fidelity came out in. John Cusack. There we go. I got his name. John Cusack. One of his love interests was Lisa Bonet. Lisa Bonet is Zoe Kravitz's mom, and now Zoe Kravitz is playing the John Cusack character. So that's all sorts of fun. Anyway, uh, it's a good series. I recommend it so far. Five episodes in, having a blast watching it. Half hour episodes. Gotta like that. Uh, so yeah, check out High Fidelity. All right, music recommendations. Uh, this one, a track that's been on my playlist uh, pretty consistently lately. Harry Styles, Treat People With Kindness. Uh, it's a track that wouldn't have been out of place if it had been released in the 60s or 70s. It's uh, something true of most of the tracks off this uh, 2019 album, Fine Line which is Harry Styles' second solo album following his departure from the boy band One Direction. The whole album is amazing and just leaves me with such a nice warm feeling. And a track like this is absolutely delightful with its simple saccharine message of just being cool to people. Uh, Treat People With Kindness has been a, a staple statement by Harry Styles, featuring on much of his merchandise over the years uh, un uh, until it finally prompted him to write the the song around the statement um and it sounds like a song that started with the idea all right treat people with kindness how do i make that a song this is the song you get and it's just it's so good and the track gives me hints of like a, a rod stewart or a neil diamond vibe which is kind of weird but yeah give it a listen it's delightful the whole album fine line top to bottom fucking fantastic so there you go. There's that. All right, moving on. Uh, let's pull a tarot card. All right, for this episode, we are pulling from the 90s tarot deck by Christi, Christi Prokopiak. And the card that I pulled for this episode is the Three of Pentacles. Hell yeah. Uh, this is a positive development card. It's a card of, of learning, of skill development, of revelations and collaborations and building something. And especially 
you know, the, the collaborations and, and building parts, the, the working together, the, the upward and forward movement, the momentum toward good shit, uh, which is a wonderful card to pull, uh, as this is my, you know, official, uh, like first full day kicking into my, my 37th year, 37th go round of the sun. Um, and, uh, yeah, good things, man. I realize it's been kind of a, uh, fuck this episode as I talked about the politics and shit, but like, we, it's, it's, it's not bad yet. It's not bad. It's good. Things are good. Things will be all right. Do you think Trump's even going to show up for a debate? Like, real talk, do you think that's going to happen? I, I'm backtracking completely. Here we were wrapping up the episode with the tarot poll, and now I'm back to the dumb news segment. But, like, really, do you think Trump's going to go do a debate? I'd Like, whoever the Democratic candidate is, do you think Trump even shows up? Like, he's not showing up to the Republican debates. Like, he's he doesn't care that people tried to primary him. There, There's still, I forget who the fuck it is, but there's still another Republican candidate on the ballot right now running against Trump. Uh, oh, it's the dude who ran as a libertarian last time. So, that's fun. Weld, maybe? Something like that? I don't know. Fuck that guy. Fuck all them guys. Fuck everybody. Everybody involved in this process. This process is dumb, and it's run poorly, and it's outdated, and it sucks, and it's draining, and it disengages people from politics because of how dumb it is. But don't be disengaged. Don't let them do that to you. Stay engaged. We, if you think your vote doesn't count and your vote doesn't matter, then ask yourself why they're working so hard to get you not to exercise it. Your vote counts and matters. So exercise that shit. All right? All right. Well, there you go. That's the end of the episode. Uh, that's all I've got. Hope to see you at any and or all of the upcoming shows. Uh, you can follow me on the social medias at Skits Jones, S-K-I-T-Z-J-O-N-E-S, all one word. Or drop me an email at skitsmjones at gmail.com. And, uh, yeah, hope to hear from you. And we will see you next time on the Trash Fire of Talk podcast uh, with me, Skits M. Jones. And, uh, you know, as always, I ask you to do the one thing and one thing only. And that is keep that trash fire burning, y'all.